Welcome to Bible Stories, the BS Podcast. Today we're talking about Noah and genocide by water. This episode is dedicated to my potential Patreon supporters. If you want to get your very own shout out and have an episode dedicated to you, check out our Patreon page. That is Bible BS Stories on Patreon. Do the thing. We big you up, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next one. Okay, so Noah. So, when last we left off, I tried to establish that what the book tries to do is because it's about to introduce to you, like, mass fucking murder, they need to justify it in a way. And so, the person who the story claims is saved from this must be this exemplary character. So at the last portion of the book, it tries to establish that Noah descends from a child separate from Cain because apparently Cain had taken onto himself um, sin, like the, the second level sin after his crazy mom ate that fucking apple. <laughs> and then he went and killed his brother. And so like, yeah, the sin is like on that part of the family. And so then they say that Adam and um, his mom have another child called Seth. And then they try to establish that the lineage of Seth to Noah is separate from the lineage of, uh, of Cain's people who are about to be drowned by a great benevolent loving God who knows everything and makes no mistakes. So let's get into that. So I feel I need to address the thing about ages because of ha- this has come up a lot when I'm talking to people who be deep in the cult but haven't read the book but have like anecdotes from the book. And they like to say like, oh man, man's way before used to live for so many years because the pastors at one point in their life or Bible school, or maybe when they read the thing, they happen upon this part where they try to insinuate that men were living for 900 and uh, 895 years. Basically each man... Uh, between Adam and Noah, if it is insinuated that they live for approximately a thousand years, give or take 200 or so. An interesting thing, though, is that if you read the stuff, it says stuff like, for example, I'm just pulling an F script. It will say Seth lived for 105 years, and then he became the father of Enosh. And then they say he lived another 800 years and died at 900 Now, when you consider what historical data we do have about um, human beings, (laughs) and you consider that this was a time way before birth control, we can assume that these individuals would have started breeding around the time that breeding age. Also considering the fact that they obviously were not using the calendar that we use today, right? What we have translated to say a year is obviously not what men However long ago this was, presumed a a year was, it's out of context. But we can put it into context, right? So if we know that a human being in the wild will probably get to breeding age if it doesn't die, something around what we would now consider to be pre-adolescent stage or adolescent stage. And so that's like, I'm just for the sake of the argument, I'm going to take the age 15. So if you take 90 to be 15, Then you get, for every one year, you're looking at what would approximate as something like a sixteenth of a year. 
And so when they say somebody died at 800 years old, that using this rough, very rough extrapolation, that would then be something approximating 110, 20 years, which seems more probable. But that's also considering our society, wherein we're able to subsidize old age and we can keep um, old people alive longer. Now, when you look at what we'd imagine that um, the conditions that people around this time would be subject to, I would not really expect somebody to be 120, but I am more willing to take the 120 than the 800 years because I just can't imagine anybody living 800 years. We do not have that longevity. But again, if you, inter- if you allow for the romance of the story, then perhaps the mankind that came fresh out the jungle was of that good 800-year resilience. And maybe the inbreeding <laughs> from Noah and his surviving family led to a degradation of the DNA to the point that now our average age is something around 60. Anyway, when men began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be a hundred and twenty years. Okay, so pause. So right here, this is why this is the most fucking frustrating book ever. Like they literally just spent the last chapter insinuating and arguing that men live to be a thousand years. And apparently this is all the plan of a omnipotent, all-knowing, perfect being. And then literally fucking like less than a hundred words later, they're like, oh shit, now nah, this guy is saying that men are supposed to be 120 years. Now, maybe this is because they're like of the position that this is why the genocide happens is because God realized that humans were too long lived. That's like what I see from it. But then again, this defeats the whole notion of an omnipotent, all-knowing, powerful, benevolent being. <laughs> but yeah, you have to kind of like forget about that. I think it be, he becomes... Like when I used to kind of think that maybe this thing was supposed to make sense, the only way I got through the book was by saying that maybe the, the, this God creature thing, like the book is his origin story, like how Spider-Man like learns shit, you know? And then... At the end, you know, of the book is when he becomes omnipotent. But here he was like figuring shit out because it's 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 just literally a, a, a litany of mistakes and corrections. But that's a whole nother thing. Oh, and before the genocide, there's that interesting part which uh, used to get brought up a lot in my Sunday school. I don't know if it was just that the person who was saying the stories really liked the idea. But it says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterwards, when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them, and they were the heroes of old, men of renown. This was interpreted by those people who were interpreting the Bible to me, to mean that um, angels were fucking humans and making like demigods, right? (laughs) Now, like, I, I don't know why this makes me very excited, but it's kind of like, okay, the way that they framed the story to me was that God was angry that the angels were fucking the humans 
and like ruining stuff and so we had to like refresh the thing and then stop the angels from fucking with this little experiment because remember what god originally wanted was a bunch of naked dumb things running around in a garden eating fucking fruit and then this fucking snake went and made the fucking girl and, and now these guys are fucking his toys like uh and so that's how it always interpreted to me because this is the only time that they mention angels fucking humans. And then after that, like, you know, there's a whole story of Lucifer and taking, like, these guys who was getting their fucking dicks wet on Earth down to her party palace down on Earth to, like, do the, to play the bad guy in God's little pageantry to entertain him. But anyway, yeah, I just, this is the only time I, that I remember, at least in this part of the Bible, where they mention angels fucking humans. And it, it's, and when I was being told this story as a child, they kind of insinuated that, like, God didn't like the angels fucking his humans. And when I read the book, that's kind of the, 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 the idea I get that God was mad in the same way that he was mad that his naked people who are supposed to be frolicking in the garden got all self-conscious and started asking him fucking questions. He was mad that these angels were getting his, their dick wet in his fucking entertainment, you know. Anyway, onwards. And so the story goes, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made men on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. And so the Lord said, I will wipe mankind, whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I made them. But Noah found favor in the Lord's eyes. And see, so before we get into the glowing review of Noah to justify him being saved while everybody else was killed, I just want to point out that the book took so long to establish that God was mad with the wicked humans and these weird angel babies and like that was his beef, right? So like why kill like everything else? Like he he explicitly points out that he's gonna murder the birds and everything that crawls on the ground. I'm like overreacting much anyway let's get into noah and his super duper flabalastic boat so the book says that noah was blameless <laughs> so you already know it's a bunch of shit anyway so apparently noah was this righteous blameless child of god from the pure line of adam seth and through him not contaminated by that fucking bad cane blood Anyway, so Noah is this righteous guy, and he has three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I hope I'm saying that right. So God is really mad about everyone, like, yo, this man's corrupt. The fucking code isn't running as intended. We've got to hard reset this motherfucker with water. And so he tells Noah, you've got to build a boat. You've got to get these cypress wood trees. Now, I would assume that why they took the time to point out what type of wood is whoever this book was written for obviously held cypress wood in high regard 
For man's over here in UG, I have no fucking idea what's wood from wood. So when he says cypress wood, I just think fucking wood. But I'm assuming like this wood was good for boats. <laughs> or whoever wrote this thing thought it was good for boats. Anyway, there's very few details, so I you have to season them. And then they go into the dimension. So they say the thing was apparently 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, with an 18th inch clearance for the roof now my favorite thing about this and why i'm kind of happy that i was born in this time is that some crazy fucking american built a one-to-one scale of this thing if you google noah's arc i'm pretty sure you'll see him he looks like he looks like the kind of guy who would build a one-to-one replica of a noah's arc and why this story is amazing to me and is how can you be alive today aware of biodiversity and honestly convince yourself that somebody was able to cram all of the life on earth into the boat. But then because I have to pay devil's advocate, I also like, I'm like, okay, first pause. There you're assuming that they're saying that all of the life that we witnessed today was crammed on the boat. But if you want to play devil's advocate, maybe it was just the animals that he could um, get around him. And then because of evolution, like we have the biodiversity that we have today in the same way that the flora and fauna was completely different when dinosaurs walked the earth and only some species survived that. And then, you know, insert time. And then today we have great biodiversity. And now as we're experiencing what I love this word because it tickles me, the Anthropocene, wherein humans are being the great extincting factor, a lot of life is going to go extinct. But that's the thing about physics. It just it just keeps going, right? And then there's new shit. And so, yeah, when I'm trying to play devil's advocate, I'm like, yeah, when we're like, people always be like, yo, he, there's no way a fucking kangaroo jump from there to there. But like, yeah, um, if we, it is it is conceivable that you can take a small sample group and put it in a place and biodiversity also emerges out the other end. Not to say that I imagine that there was a great flood and one man saved all the life on the thing, but it's good to look at both sides of the story. Yeah. And so the story goes, the Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation and take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the world because, you know, hashtag biodiversity. And seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the earth every living creature I have made. So, again, the whole fascination, whoever was compiling this book really loves the numbers 7 and 40. Like, they come up all the time. Like, the guy was like, yo, what's your favorite number? 7. What's your second favorite number? Fucking 40. And then also another interesting point is that they mention clean and unclean animals. But if you read the book, they had not yet established the whole thing about clean and unclean animals yet. If you listen to my podcast, I might have mentioned it earlier in the story of Moses because I'm not really doing this chronological. But this happens before Moses. And apparently 
the laws which established which animals are clean and unclean uh, had not just been established. Or I guess they just hadn't been written down and like God like told his real people, Yo, don't eat that, that's unclean, bro. And then it's just later when Moses was being the great ratifier that he put that shit down to paper, rather to tablet. Anyway, so yeah, they load up the boat, biodiversity achieved. I guess I had compartments and they know they're going to wait out 40 days and 40 nights. And I guess then the killing will be done. <laughs> yeah, so these guys tough it out for 40 days and then they get off the boat. Um, Noah, his wife, his sons and their daughters. And God reaffirms to them, I guess, the promise that he had kind of made to Adam before he decided that Adam was a bunch of waste man and was going to kill everything he ever made and start over with Noah. Anyway, so he's like, okay, I promise again that you will be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and the fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and upon every creature that moves along the ground and upon all the fishes of the sea, them too. They were given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you because you are a bad man. I love you, Noah. I love you. I love you. I love you, Noah. You're a good boy, Noah. Eat all the things, Noah. I digress. But you must not eat the meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting for every animal. So don't be eating my things I gave to you before saying thank you because your guy, who feeds you? Who's your daddy? Anyway, I'll demand an accounting, blah, blah, for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man and by man sheds his blood be shed, for in the image of God has God made them. That's to say, like, you guys are good now. Those guys were really corrupt. They were killing each other. They were fucking angels and shit. You guys are good. So like don't kill each other and eat all the things and say thank you. And maybe we can do this thing right. And don't be like your stupid fucking ancestors who couldn't fucking not eat. But I told them not to fucking eat. And so God gave them a kiss and life started anew. If you'd like to support this podcast, we're on Twitter and Patreon. That is at BibleBS on Twitter and Patreon, Bible BS.